Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you, including special guest Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. We'll visit with our Collier County Clerk of Courts, as well as our controller, Crystal Kinzel will be with us. We'll talk about the duties of the Clerk of Courts, as well as uh, some of the information that's available and the support that we're, is available to us through her office. We'll also visit with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several murder mysteries, uh, the latest being No Problem. It is November the 21st, and on this day in 1934, a young and gangly would-be dancer took to the stage of Harlem's Apollo Theater to participate in a harrowing tradition known as Amateur Night, finding herself on stage as a result of pure chance after her name was drawn out of a hat. The aspiring dancer spontaneously decided to turn singer instead, a change of heart that would prove significant not only to herself and herself personally, but also to the future course of American popular music. The performer in question was teenaged Ella Fitzgerald, whose decision to sing rather than dance on this day in 1934 set her on a course towards becoming a musical legend, and she was fantastic. It's also led her to a victory at Amateur Night at the Apollo, a weekly event that was just then a little more than a year old, but still thrives today. Born in 1917 in Newport News, Virginia, and orphaned at the age of 15, Ella Fitzgerald was a high school dropout and a ward of the New York State when she made her way to the Apollo that uh, autumn night in 1934 with two of her girlfriends. It was a bet, she later recalled. We put our names in. We never thought we'd get a call. But Ella did get a call, and at that moment, and when it happened, she came to the stage immediately after a talented and popular local dance duo. Afraid she couldn't measure up to the dancing talents of the preceding act, Ella was petrified. I looked and I saw all those people, and I said, oh my gosh, what am I going to do out here? And she told uh, National Public Radio decades later, everybody started laughing and said, well, what's she going to do? And I couldn't think of anything else, so I tried to sing The Object of My Affection. By her own admission, Cheryl was blatantly imitating the singer who popularized the song, Connie Boswell of the Boswell Sisters, and her first few notes were a disaster. Rushing on stage to protect her from the jeers of the notoriously tough Apollo Theater crowd, however, she was famous, the famous amateur night master of ceremonies, Ralph Cooper, who uh, helped Fitzgerald gather her wits and try again. On her second attempt, she brought the house down. Within the year, Ella Fitzgerald had been discovered by Chick Webb, to whose band she was legally paroled by the state of New York while she was shy of her 18th birthday. It was with Webb's band that she scored her career-making hit, A Tisket, A Tasket, in 1938, but it was a solo performer that she would become a jazz legend in the late 40s and early 50s as a revolutionary innovator in local and vocal uh, jazz. She was fantastic. What a performer. I actually saw her in Washington, D.C., I believe it was in the uh, 60s, uh, mid-60s. Terrific performer. Well, job gains have continued in Florida for 30 consecutive months. This according to labor data. Uh, Florida's seasonally adjusted total non-agricultural employment was 9,542,500 in October 2022, an increase of 36,400 jobs over the month. The Sunshine State gained 457,400 jobs over the year, an increase of 5% higher than the national rate of 3.6% over the year. Florida's private sector employment growth has also exceeded the national rate for the past 19 consecutive months. Over the year, total private sector employment grew by 447,800 jobs, 5.6 faster than the national private uh, sector job growth of 4%. Florida's economic resiliency is unmatched in the country. No other state could withstand the direct impact of a Category 4 and continued growth of jobs in the same month, said Governor DeSantis. We've made a record investment in our infrastructure and workforce while building a record budget surplus and providing record tax reductions for uh, Floridians. 
Florida lost 1,282,500 jobs from February to April 2020 and has since gained back all those jobs, adding 1,749,500 jobs. In October 2022, uh, 22 of the 24 metro areas in Florida had over the year job gains. Those are the largest gains were in Miami, uh, Beach, Kendall, as well as uh, adding 75,000 jobs. Florida's unemployment rate of 2.7% is also lower than the national rate of 3.7% and has been for 23 consecutive months, according to data. Just a terrific job. Again, I think all this going back to the leadership of leading the state, leaving the state open and free while other states closed down because of the phony pandemic. Well, let's pause for a moment. Yesterday was President Joe Biden's 80th birthday. The best gift he could give the nation and himself is an announcement that he will not run in 2024. I saw a bumper sticker promoting a Biden Fetterman ticket. said uh, the tagline is, it's a (laughs) no-brainer. Biden has worked in the federal government for 50 years now. His age is showing. His gaffes have gone from charming to dangerous. And the Democratic Party can certainly do better and come up with a better candidate than Joe Biden. Well, Elon Musk announced on Saturday that Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, will be reinstated to Twitter after launching a poll asking Twitter users if Trump should be reinstated. Musk decided to let the more than 15 million users have their way and bring the former president back to on the platform. The people have spoken. Trump was uh, reinstated. Vox Populi, Vox DA, uh, Musk said uh, in his tweet, uh, meaning uh, the people have spoken, uh, the people are uh, the voice of God. Moments later, the account was restored and all past tweets were visible. The follower uh, count is rising after an astonishing 15 million votes in 24 hours. The majority of Twitter users voted in favor of restoring the president, uh, former president's account. One of the tweets that came in was uh, from the president of Mexico, uh, certainly supporting uh, liberty and uh, putting the president back on. Uh, Twitter. Trump said he would not necessarily be amenable to returning to the platform, though his tweets uh, when he was a president were made world news. Speaking of the Republican Jewish coalition, Trump said on Saturday he would stick to his own Trump-owned True Social social media uh, platform. True Social has been very, very powerful, very, very strong, and I'll be staying there. But I hear we're getting a big vote to also go back to Twitter. I don't see it because I don't see the reason for it, he said. He praised True Social, saying, True Social is through the roof, he said. It's doing phenomenally well, and the president needs to talk about it, but it's doing phenomenally well. I think the engagement is much better than it is with Twitter, and it's been taking care of voices that really want to be taken care of, and smart voices, brilliant voices, voices in many, many cases on both sides, he said. Trump was banished from the popular social media platform on January the 8th, Two days after the Capitol riot on January the 6th, two Trump's uh, last two tra- uh, tweets on the platform were calling for peacefulness from his supporters. Uh, the irony, huh? Well, uh, it's <laughs> unbelievable. But uh, if you haven't tried True Social, it is a, a terrific platform. But right now, it looks like uh, Trump's not going to be using Twitter. We'll see. Well, Kamala Harris traveled to Asia this weekend to bolster U.S. economic ties with the region. North Korea responded to Harris' visit to Bangkok by firing off an intercontinental uh, ballistic missile towards Japan on Friday. Harris attended the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit this weekend and spoke to reporters in Thailand on Sunday before traveling to the Philippines. She said, uh, told reporters being in Thailand signifies the significance, I'm not kidding, she said this, it signifies the significance of U.S. allies and that she was glad to have, in large part, a discussion about the significance of climate. She really said that. What an embarrassment to the on the world stage. Well, Nikki Haley, former uh, U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, hinted at a possible 2024 presidential run by stating that she never lost an election. As a Republican-Jewish coalition meeting Saturday in Las Vegas, Haley said, A lot of people have asked if I'm going to run for president. Now that the midterms are over, I'll look at it in a serious way, and I do have to say soon, she said. Hill, former governor of South Carolina, continued, For now, I'll say that I've won tough primaries and tough general elections. I've been the underdog every single time, and when people underestimate me, it's always fun. But I've never lost an election, and I'm not going to start now, she said. 
She made an even stronger hint about a possible presidential campaign when speaking about her opposition to President Joe Biden's attempts to re-enter the 2015 nuclear deal. If Biden succeeds in getting back to the Iran deal, I'll make you a promise. I've said it before, the next president will share, will shred it on his first day of office, on her first day of office. Uh, Haley said that the audience cheered. So she may have her hat in the ring. I, quite frankly, I think it's healthy for the Republican Party and for the country to have a number of candidates uh, declare and let the best man or women uh, win. It's not a foregone conclusion that uh, President Trump will get the nomination, although, I, frankly, he has my support at this point. Well, the Arizona Attorney General's Office has opened an inquiry into the Maricopa County's handling of the midterm elections, demanding a full report of well-publicized irregularities and warning there is evidence of statutory violations. The letter from the Attorney General Mark Brnovich, uh, the Election Integrity Unit, marks a major escalation in the dispute over how voters were treated on Election Day in the state's largest county where scores of ballots tabulators had problems because of print problems. The problems have delayed the declaration of a winner in the razor-thin state attorney general's race and led GOP gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake to question as premature the media's declaration of her opponent, Democrat Katie Hobbs, who pulled the basement routine, or won the race. The election uh, sent uh, late Saturday from Assistant Attorney General Jennifer Wright to the county's chief civil division attorney, Tom Liddy, demanding a full report on how the tabulator and printer issues were handled, as well as a copy of each voting location's official ballot report, including any discrepancies and explanations. Uh, Wright demanded that evidence be turned over prior to the county sending its final canvas certification of a vote, which is due by November the 28th. So I'll say it's just great to see that uh, these issues are being taken up, not after the election, but uh, within the boundaries of the time frame where it's supposed to be certified. Hopefully, a certification will be delayed and they'll do a thorough investigation, maybe even a revote, because it's, it's certainly justified based on the irregularities that I've seen and heard, about, heard reported from uh, Maricopa County. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we can uh, visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Great for kids of all ages, including you and I. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hello, Mark. Yes, hi. Oh, <laughs> Good morning, Mark. For ten seconds. Uh, Mark, by the way, is in Tel Aviv uh, and has been well on and off for about the last year or so. So it's uh, great to talk to you, Mark. Uh, talking about current global events, and let's start off with an update on Ukraine. Okay, so at this moment, uh, the Ukrainians have been consolidating all the gains they made in the last couple of weeks by recapturing Kherson. The first train from Kiev to Kherson arrived. I think it was yesterday, with a lot of pomp and ceremony. Mm. Um, there's a whole area of territory that's been captured. Basically, tens of thousands of square miles have been recaptured, and now the problem is um, restoring basic services to the area, which have none because the Russians tore everything out. Uh, the Russians, in the meantime, seem to be creating a new defensive line beyond where their current lines are. In other words, another 60 or 70 miles beyond um, lines basically to protect Crimea. And I guess their assumption is the Ukrainians are going to continue their advance and they're hoping to um, stop them before they at, at the Crimea border, which is what the Russians illegally took in 2014. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the Russians have been attacking um, the uh, Ukrainian power grid everywhere um, and um, they've been successful every time they, they appear part of it. The Russians uh, attack other parts of it. Um, so it's a bit of a, a war between who can, whose anti-missile missiles will run out first versus the missiles of the Russians. And so that's part of what's going on. The Ukrainians, I believe the number I saw yesterday was they are receiving 9,000, importing 9,000 generators a day. Hmm. So they're preparing for... Uh, doing without central electricity as much as they possibly can. Um, another interesting statistic that I saw, which I thought was quite interesting, the United States has basically spent 5% of its defense budget uh, this past year on supporting the Ukrainians, and as a result have destroyed 50% of the Russian army, which seems to be a pretty good investment, let's mm. put it that way, considering that we spent how many trillions of dollars over so many years to be ready to defend against the Russians. So, Mark, I, I think I've inferred from what you just said that the, actually now the Ukrainians are turning from being on the defensive to being on the offensive? Well, quite clearly they've been on the offensive ever since. I mean, the, the Ukrainians have been on the offensive recapturing the territory that the Russians took. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's been an ongoing uh, situation. Um, and, um, you know, they've been successful in their account it's a counteroffensive you'd have to call it because they're right. countering what the russian offensive was um so um there's no reason to think that the ukrainians won't continue to advance uh, they have a better trained and better equipped army at this point um and the russians are uh, are having many many challenges and part of what they're doing of course is they've come to defense agreements with the iranians the iranians are supplying them both with arms and as much as this seems hard for me to say and hard to believe, technology. So this is where it's come to with Russia that they're having to receive Iranian technology. Yeah. To continue. Yeah. So it's so where quite, quite amazing. Where does China? Where does China stand with all this? Are they? Uh, China has been staying on the side at this point. They've made it clear they do not want to be identified with the Russians anymore. Hmm. And so. Um, they have been very clear about this now. In other words, if initially we were concerned that the Chinese were going to become major supporters of the Russians, 
I mean, they're buying Russian oil, obviously. They're making use of the situation because they're buying it at a discount. Uh, but they are not supplying the Russians with arms. So Zelensky, uh, Zelensky hinted that, uh, or didn't hint, he actually said that he would like to consider a peace proposal. I bring this up every week, but uh, it certainly would be nice to see people sitting down at the table discussing it. Yeah, but the, Russia, the peace proposal, yes, Russia withdraws and everyone can be in peace. I mean, let's be realistic here. That's the only peace that Zelensky wants and the Ukrainian people want. Hmm. Anything less than that is an appeasement to the biggest aggressor since uh, Adolf Hitler. And so I don't, I, I, I do not begin to understand the people who are calling for, for the Ukrainians to agree to, to some, whatever Putin's demands may be at this point. I mean, well, well, Putin should get no demands. He should be tried, frankly, as a war criminal. I mean, I, I'm very strong about this, as you gather, but right. uh, um, I, I don't understand any other position, frankly, from American perspective. I mean, if you're somebody else, if you're Russian, I understand. But if you're, if you're an American, if you're European, I mean, there really is no other real um, real position to take as long as the Ukrainians are willing to keep on fighting and dying uh, for freedom then we should be supporting them and let them decide when they're willing to negotiate or not negotiate certainly they shouldn't negotiate while uh, while the momentum is on their side and while the Russians will only use any sort of negotiations to rearm and and prepare for you know part B well now uh, just again it's Zelensky suggestion as I read. Yeah, he, made, he made the suggestion only in the most general sense to make it clear that he's not what's standing between peace and that. That was not a that was not a, a call for negotiations under the Russian conditions. That was, you know, please understand that. That was a, that was a, a tactical move on his part to make it clear that he's not the one who's against the idea of negotiations. He just wants negotiations. His terms of negotiations are a full Russian pullout. Yeah. Doesn't hurt to talk, Mark, though. It would be great to see them sit down at the table. Let's, uh, let's, uh... I'm not, you know, it depends. It, it always sounds good, but do you think that if we were in 1940 Europe, it would have been good to talk to Hitler? Uh, would that have gotten anything, any, anybody? Uh, I mean, there was talk. They talked to Hitler in, in Munich prior to his um, gaining the rest of Czechoslovakia. What came of that? Yeah. He's a bad person. There's no question about it. He's a bad, bad dude. So, well, uh, Mark, let's take a little break right now. It's a good chance because I'd like to talk to you about what's going on in China. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with a clerk of courts in Cuyahoga County, Crystal Kinzel. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So let's move to China. There's a lot going on right now in China. A lot of uh... right. We've got multiple levels. I mean, first of all, we had the summit between President Biden and Premier Xi last week. I guess it was after we spoke. Um, by all accounts, it was a business-like meeting. Uh, both sides got to uh, state their positions, and I think some clear red lines were discussed. And I think that's important that both sides know what the red line of the other side is vis-a-vis Taiwan and trade and everything else. Um, the Chinese are are now calling for open open integrated circuit standards worldwide. They're beginning to hurt from from the decisions of the Biden administration to limit the export of of high-tech equipment to make uh, the most advanced chips. And that's beginning to hurt them in terms of medium and long term. It's having its desired effect. And of course, we're seeing uh, multiple companies investing now in chip manufacturing in the United States as a result of the uh, CHIPS Act, Um, both Intel and Macron Technologies and TMC, the Taiwanese company, is is building a humongous chip manufacturing plant in Arizona uh, to start making the chips that go inside the Apple iPhones and other mm-hmm. products. So that's l- uh, decreasing the dependence on China. Now, China's having two sets of problems right now. One, a continuation of the problem we've discussed over the last many, many weeks and months, uh, a slow meltdown of their real estate market. Uh, again, they built too much. The population is now decreasing. And there's no one to buy the homes and houses that are being built, and therefore it's creating an instability in its financial systems, and a lot of the big construction firms are in big trouble. Second, COVID. COVID has come back, um, it looks like, with vengeance in China. They recorded their first death the other day, um, and um, first death recently, obviously. And they're locking down various parts of the Chinese. They really have this zero COVID policy. Uh, that may or may not work, but is certainly incredibly disruptive to their economy. And um, that's a concern now worldwide about supply chains once again being disrupted because of the Chinese uh, lockdowns. So uh, it makes course, me it makes me wonder, Mark, if, if is, is this motivated by trying to contain COVID spread, or is it motivated by something else, perhaps uh, trying to silence people or, or dissidents or something no, along? No, I don't this. think it has anything to do with this dissident. Thing has to do with COVID. I think they are obsessed with with stopping the COVID spread. Um, they did not buy, to a large extent, the American vaccine, so the populations are mostly not vaccinated. And also, um, you know, not to be, you know, I'm not one of those people who buy into too many conspiracy theories, but the one thing that always makes me think is, do they know something about this virus that the rest of us don't? Right, right. And that's that's the question, right? I and mean, why have they been following this extreme policy um, so what do they know that we don't know? Right. I don't have the answer, and I'm not saying that they do know something, but it is food for thought. I agree, Mark. I mean, I, I think both questions are relevant. What do they know that we don't know? Or, and uh, if they don't if they don't know any more than we know, then why are they doing it? So that, that would be my question. Right. Absolutely. That, that, that is the question. Um, also, maybe they can. Let's be honest. In other words... In the United States, after the first set of lockdowns, the American people would never stand for another set of lockdowns. Yeah. So uh, the Chinese, you know, have greater control of their population than we do. You know, the Chinese don't have a history of freedom and self-determination, all the things that that Americans cherish. And so we couldn't have another lockdown. Yeah. They can. So let's keep that in mind also, that they can do what we can't, which, you know, good and bad but that's the reality yeah we'll see Um, we'll see see if we if we can't (laughs) we'll see how things develop in the meantime um, we talked about red lines in the meeting with z the uh my understanding is that two top topics did not come up so the origin of the virus number one and number two taiwan right i okay the origin of the virus again this it's an old story so i i would see no reason for them to bring that topic up again um, because uh, it's well tread uh, 
well-tread area, and we don't have the, answer, the ultimate answer to that. There remains a mystery, and scientists disagree to this day on, on that question. I don't think they didn't discuss Taiwan. I think they did discuss Taiwan in the, in the oblique way of talking about maintaining America's, uh, you know, one China policy, one China, two different systems, the whole thing. The the myth that we've managed to withhold withhold since since Nixon was visited China, and I think they did discuss that again, and uh, also discussed not doing things that would uh, upend the world economy, which would be an invasion of Taiwan. So I, I don't think it wasn't discussed. I think being both being diplomats or knowing how to be diplomats, they managed to discuss it without discussing it. Right. Well, again, uh, if if we're discussing red lines, I think uh, the discussion should be clear, not uh, vague in any way. But uh, we'll, we'll see. So, hey, let's let's move to uh, the World Cup is in the news right now. Right. So the World Cup is meeting now in Qatar. Uh, some people have called it the world's most expensive PR uh, activity for the, for the Qataris. Um, it got additional news the other day when it was suddenly decided that beer would not be allowed to be sold at the games that was sort of came as a surprise since the Qataris had always sort of said in, let's put it this way they uh, implied that it was okay to sell sell uh, beer at the at the games mm-hmm. um, one thing that people should r- remember which people easily forget is the only reason the games are at Qatar was a massive bribery campaign that took place that um, basically resulted in many of the previous officials of um, of the World Cup uh, going to jail. Really? And so um, that's what actually happened. It was a huge, uh, it was a huge um, bribery scandal. Uh, but by the time it came out, it was too late. Everything was committed already to going to Qatar. I did so, not know that. That's so interesting. Don't follow soccer or. Uh, I only follow it, on, you know, from the side. But that part of it, I did follow, obviously, because it was major news. So. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Well, that's uh, so. The repercussions of that is basically the Qatar is getting uh, some uh, real publicity right now, and uh, hopefully the games will go smoothly and uh, the, the games will uh, be played. <laughs> we'll right, there is some concern of the Iranians upsetting the games, um, and there's a p- back and forth in the intelligence communities. I know that the, on one hand they would like to upset the games, on the other hand they're afraid of the repercussions. So we'll see what happens. So Iran is in the news again, and it's uh, it continues to be in the news. How's it going with the rebellion and the and uh, the so demonstrations? The rebellion is continuing. That's the big news. That's the way they are not able to put down the rebellion at all. They decided in the northern Kurdish Kurdish um, city to start using a massive force. I believe it was last night. They went in with massive force, turned off electricity, fired at people, even used uh, more than just. Uh, more than just rifles to fire at people. Mm. So um, we'll see what happens relating to that. Um, but um, look, I'm beginning to believe, and it's just beginning that there really is a chance that that this may force regime change. Mm. I don't really know how it comes from here to there, but the people are not backing down. And the youth of Iran have had it. And they're willing to give up their lives if they have to in order to bring about a change. So I think it's possible. Yeah, for the first time, um, you know, we've discussed this over the years, and until now, I never thought there was a real possibility. Um, I'm not sure if I was a betting man; I put put all my money on that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a real, real possibility, and that's, like I've said, a really good thing uh, for the world if it does happen. I agree, but it raises the question about what fills the vacuum after the. Uh, well, that's the question. There are those people who are talking about creating a. A democratic Iran. I mean, remember, the Iranian people were very modern, very much attached to America during the Shah's period and underground views that still exist. Uh, what will actually happen? Who knows? Who knows, indeed. Uh, it will be a very, I think, uh, interesting and dangerous time, quite frankly, with the regime. I mean, we certainly hope that it all comes out and end up with some sort of a secular government, but uh, anything can happen. Right, absolutely. So uh, before I let you go, uh, any update on what's happening with forming a government in Israel? Well, negotiations have continued. They've been pretty much stalled by the demands of uh, some of the smaller religious parties for an outsized representation in terms of portfolios. The way to understand the Israeli system is a parliamentary democracy where 
if you are the majority of the members of the parliament who support the government, you get to create the government, which is what happened here, is the fact that Netanyahu and the, and the parties that support him have 64 out of 120 seats, which means they have a majority. Mm-hmm. However, before you can actually create a government, you need to have an a agreement between the different parties. And each party comes to those negotiations with different demands. They have demands both for policy, but usually more importantly for positions. And so this one wants to be defense minister, this one wants to be housing minister, etc., etc. What's happened here is uh, people who uh, most people don't consider appropriate to be defense ministers from the far-right parties. One of them is pushing very hard and insists that he should become defense minister. And there's been pushback on that. And so right now, the, the, it's a game of chicken, because no one expects him not to reach a government, because these people all want a new government as opposed to, um, the, as opposed to going back to the, the government that existed until now with Lapid. Um, but they're going to play it right down to the wire. Mm-hmm. And it's a game of chicken of who's going to blink first, um, and we'll have to see. We have another two weeks at least to go. So interesting. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of a multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. Great for kids of all ages. Again, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, our clerk of courts in Cuyahoga County, Crystal Kinzel. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University Wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the Wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up later in the show, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with the have with us the Cuyahoga County Clerk of Courts and Controller, uh, Crystal Kinzel. Uh, Clerk Kinzel, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Thank you for well, having us. Well, it's my pleasure indeed. And I think uh, playing such an important role for the community, but probably most people are not aware of the work that you're doing and the services you're providing. So maybe you could tell us about uh, the clerk of court's role as well as the controller's role in Cuyahoga County. 
Well, thank you for the opportunity. We we have three primary functions, as you mentioned, Comptroller. Collier County is a large county, over $2 billion in budget, and we are the financial arm for not only the county, but the clerk's office and the supervisor of elections by contract. Mm. But as part of our function, um, also, we are the keeper of all the records for Collier County. Um, next year's our 100-year centennial, and we are automating all of the property records. I think this will be really important for maybe some of your listeners that uh, were suffering uh, records loss during the hurricane or if their records were destroyed, um, they should know. We are the keeper of all those official records, and um, we will have most of it online right now, but we're going all the way back to 1923 by uh, early next year. So we're trying to automate that and make that accessible. We also perform marriages. So we're having a Valentine's uh, vow renewal and wedding ceremony in February on Valentine's Day. Some of the odd things that we do. And we're also the keeper of all the court records. So we have docket information and filings. And we also have a self-help center for your listeners that we've expanded because of the demand and use on all the things that we can help them with. Well, that's so interesting. I mean, one of the things I'm beginning to see emails about people could be stealing. Somebody could be stealing your property and your and your records. So uh, you ought to be careful. And uh, you know, I think it's just really important to know that your property is going to be safe. Right. And Bob, we have a free sign up. I think I mentioned it before on your show, but they can go to our website at callyourclerk.com, sign up for the fraud alert. It's free. They don't need to pay an outside entity if all their uh, property is in Collier County. They can sign up and be noticed so that if anyone would attempt to file against their property or against their records, Hmm. they would get an email from us automatically saying um, someone's trying to do something. and maybe it's legitimate, but maybe it's not. So they could um, check. Well, hey, that seems that sounds like a no-brainer to me. Everybody should sign up for that. And I'm going to do it right after the show. So again, you what's what's the uh, email address or the e- collierclerk.com. Collierclerk.com. Right, uh, and it's C O L L I E R. Sometimes people um, from out of town do C A L L y o u r but no it's collier county so it's collierclerk.com collierclerk.com and sign up for the fraud alert please yes thank you so much so uh tell us about the jury system that you have well the jury system um i'm so glad to announce that we are upgrading we have contracted um, to upgrade the jury system the clerk's responsible for calling all jurors And I know that sometimes when your listeners get a jury notice, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but I really try to talk to them uh, when they come here. I try to welcome them if I'm not at another meeting because it's such an important role to play in our entire judiciary system. So their presence and being here is so important. And um, our system admittedly is a little bit antiquated. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a lot of paper, and we're going to try to – streamline that there'll be it'll be more applicable to a mobile application where they can be updated um, where to go what day what time Um, they'll be able to fill out some of the forms right now that are manually filled out we'll be able to do all of that online and capture the information more efficiently so we're really looking forward to that that'll be in the summer of next year we'll have that finalized we've already contracted and we're already working on all the conversion Um, and we have to get it's Supreme Court approval um, because juror selection is actually random and your random process has to be approved. So um, we're so, looking forward to having some new things in the jury room. That's so interesting. How many, uh, how many jurors uh, are processed each year? Do you have any idea? Oh, thousands. Yeah. Um, we, we, especially since COVID, um, we have had a backlog, obviously, of certain kinds of jury trials. Uh, because proximity and, and shutdowns. So the judges are working extra uh, these days, and we have many, many jurors. We, we call in as many as 500 a day wow. uh, when they're holding a trial. So um, it really just depends on what trials are, are coming up each day. But we uh, usually it's around 20,000 a year, 20,000, oh, wow. 25,000 a year. That's a lot of folks and a lot of calls. So, um, Tell us your $2 billion budget uh, here in Collier County. Maybe you could tell us about your uh, current financial systems. 
Well, our current financial system is SAP, a very large, robust system, but we're also in the process of upgrading that. Um, that will be done in early 24. Um, it takes quite a while to convert all of the systems, but, um, you know, it's really a backroom processing that we're changing, mm -hmm. and it will help us better capture time and attendance of all employees um, so that it'll have more controls. It'll be easier to do again through mobile devices or in the field. We'll be able to capture real-time payroll and other large expenditures. So um, we're working on that conversion as, also as we speak. <laughs> so uh, all this information, and uh, you have, a, I think, a newsletter that people can subscribe to. Oh, thank you. Yes, great um, reminder to me. Um, the, again, callyourclerk.com. Please subscribe to our newsletter. I try to um, put in that each month a little bit about the courts, a little bit about the board, projects that are going on in Collier County, some of the things that might really be of an interest to your listeners, and also all the events I mentioned, the Centennial, the Valentine's Day wedding, um, and our volunteer recruitment. Um, any of that information can be found in our newsletter as well as on our website. Okay, so we go to the uh, go to the uh, website to uh, right. to sign up. Callyourclerk.com, and you subscribe, and then we send that out on the first of every month to tell you what's up and coming. So you told us a little bit about some upcoming events. Maybe you could elaborate um, on what's happening and when. Okay, thanks. Um, December first, from three to four thirty p.m. right here in the courthouse annex, we have a training room, and we will be doing a real estate and fraud protection seminar. Wow. Um, we've done a few of these around the county at the satellite offices, but it's in conjunction with um, Jim York. I don't know if you know him, but he has a real estate agency here. But this isn't a real estate sales or anything like that, but Jim does a good job of helping um, our citizens learn how to man maneuver a contract for real estate. He also brings one of his um, partners, Chris Mitchell, who navigates for you insurance. And right now with FEMA and Hurricane and everything that's going on in the insurance market, we're trying to get more information out to the public. And then I'm the third part, which I pro uh, promote the fraud alert that we just talked about, as well as what other things we're seeing in attempts at fraud how to make sure your liens are cleared if you are having work done on your house. I go over a lot of those things that we see um, as an auditor for Collier County and as the clerk in the official records area. Wow, so interesting. And then uh, you've got the two other events. I think one of them, of course, is the Valentine's Day event, which has been uh, right. going on for a couple of years. Right. And we are looking for volunteers and also sponsors. We try um, not to use taxpayer dollars on this. We've been very successful in getting people. So we everything from a wedding cake to um, uh, little bags for the participants. And it's really been one of the fun things that we get to do. And it is on Valentine's Day. Uh, right now, the venue is um, the museum right here on the government complex. But we're seeing such demand that we may need a bigger venue, so we're also searching for that. So please stay tuned to our newsletter, and you'll know where and when to sign up for that. And again, that is a, not only a marriage, but also uh, vow renewals as well. So uh, it's Right. We, we like to be in, the, in love in Valentine's Day, <laughs> and uh, we've had about 13 to 15 renewals and usually six or seven brand new marriages in our smaller ceremonies. But we've uh, seen it expand in the second year, so we expect that it'll expand even more after uh, the hurricane and uh, COVID. I think a lot of people are, are really wanting to renew vows and, yeah. and also take those things that in their life, take stock of those life events. So Absolutely. we want to make it fun. So again, uh, callyourclerk.gov, uh, callyourclerk. No, callyourclerk.com. Callyourclerk.com. Again, uh, Clerk uh, Kenzo, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining oh, us. Oh, no, thank you, Bob, for the opportunity to let your listeners know uh, everything that we're doing here at the clerk's office. I uh, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Thank you.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, now living up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I think it's pretty chilly right now. And he's writing uh, great murder mysteries. His first is uh, f- uh, Follow the Leader. The second is Shake the Money Tree. And uh, its sequel is No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure. I'm in my uh, sunroom. It's 20 degrees out. And uh, the sun comes up uh, at 7. <laughs> and by, uh, you know, I have maybe uh, three hours of sun in the sunroom because it's moving so low across the sky. So it's... You know, it's those cold, uh, dark, uh, wintry days in the north, and uh, I long for Florida. <laughs> Everyone does it this time of year, Jim, starting now. So uh, uh, I'd be interested in your thoughts on the uh, what's happened now with the Bitcoin or with the, uh, yeah, the Bitcoin uh, situation right now and how it's a, having an impact, a rippling effect through the economy. Yeah, you know, the, the big... Uh, financial story is the failure of uh, a um, crypto coin exchange called FTX that was run by a 30-year-old named Sam Bank Friedman and, and was valued at $30 billion and probably is worthless now. I mean, he has a million creditors who are owed at least a billion dollars. Um, these were people who, when when we had easy money from the Fed, uh, took outsized risks to chase uh, yield. And what's really concerning is that among the creditors are some major banks, uh, you know, regulated entities. So, so what happens is these financial institutions that are supposedly highly regulated uh, by the federal government and the states. Uh, got complacent, took outside risk. And, uh, you know, all, all the old timers out there will, will remember that there's a, an old saw that, that uh, uh, when the tide, when the interest rate tide runs out, uh-huh. you see everybody on Wall Street who isn't wearing a bathing suit. Yeah. So, so as, as rates are coming up, we're, see, we're seeing people who are, ha- have really dangerous exposure and I want to emphasize 
you know, investors in Wall Street seem to think that the Fed is near the end of its tightening cycle and that it's somehow it's taming inflation because the uh, inflation number came down a few percentage points the last time uh, they were reported. Uh, I would urge them to visit the uh, St. Louis Fed website because it's President Jim Bullard, who's a voting member of the uh, Federal Open Market Committee, which votes on interest rates, and who is a really sharp guy who's been around for eons. Mm -hmm. He says, and he he describes himself as a dove, right? Uh, He says, even under generous assumptions, the policy rate right now, which is at 3.08%, is in a zone considered not considered sufficiently restrictive to put meaningful downward pressure on inflation to return the inflation to the 2% target. You know, if if you parse that, he's saying we have a long way to go. So, yeah. so as I said, the federal fund rate is 3% now. He says it has to be between 5 and 7%. Wow, so, that's much higher than than uh, has been predicted. And, and CJ, I thought I saw something between four and a half and five percent. Yeah, it's um, you know, and I go right to the source. To you know, I read a quote in the paper, and then I go to the St. Louis Fed site, which, by the way, has phenomenal financial information that's that's readily accessible to uh, you know non economists. But anyway, um, you know it's. It's it's very sobering because a lot of people in Wall Street think the Fed is going to blink or pivot is the popular word now. And instead of aggressively raising interest rates, they're going to raise rates at a much slower pace to see what the effect on the economy is. And and Bullard is saying it's not going to happen, folks. And, and that's scary because in light of FTX failure and the collapse of the uh, real estate market, which the Dallas Fed says, by the way, uh, home prices could fall 20 to 25%. There's another sobering thought. Indeed. So, Jim, uh, in in earlier uh, interviews, we've talked about uh, the financial markets perhaps uh, getting some traction and having an upward trend through May of next year. Any second thoughts on that? Uh, no, and I, I know it's counterintuitive, uh, but the uh, the stock market is still strong because and, and primarily because the public is so bearish that stocks really have been beaten down. So so uh, a lot of uh, asset managers see uh, bargains. Now I don't predict a uh, a bull market that's uh, you know going to erase all the losses we've had this year. I think the market, if I recall correctly, it was down 20 to 25% at one time. But I do think we'll claw back to where we get just about even, and, and then the market will fall out of bed again after May. Hmm. So, so I mean, it's a chance for investors to claw back or just sit tight and, and recover <clears throat> what you lost. However, um, if you're really concerned about cash, I would put uh, stop loss orders or or puts or whatever under my uh, some stocks in my portfolio to make sure that when the market does uh, decline, you know, I get out and and, uh, have a cash reserve. So interesting. Jim McTake, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief and author of some terrific murder, murder mysteries. The first is Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its third, No Problem. Just great reads of the locusts of Washington, D.C., uh, and uh, criminal behavior on the part of a lot of elected officials. Anything in the works, Jim? Oh, you mean book-wise? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm writing another, uh, a fourth uh, Martin Boundary novel. Martin Boundary, my protagonist, is a uh, journalist. And Martin Boundary, the name is actually uh, the name of a mathematical theory about random walks. I'm a great believer in, in random walk theory. And so, so, so Martin solves crimes, but uh, uh, it's, it's generally because of something random that occurs. So interesting. Jim, I just really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. 
We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including uh, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator and president, soon to be president. Also, Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we spread the news and uh, support our advertisers. Couldn't do the show without uh, their support. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>